so belly first, flip basically 180 because it's got to point the, the thrust vector in the opposite direction. It's, it's got to counteract all that momentum it had going this way, pull the engine all the way across to even itself out, and then land properly. Well, to today in space. I am your host, Alex Girofanos, on the podcast about all things space. And this week, I can't help but say that uh, it's been a rough week. <laughs> There's so much crap going on right now. I hope you're 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 able to deal with it. If social media is too much, if people's political opinions are driving you insane, please just shut it off. I mean, I, I and this is coming from someone that's had a very very tough time this week. I've had to do a ton more meditating. I've had to go on more walks. I've had to just get that energy out because it is driving me crazy. I'm sure you're dealing with the same thing. If you're not, good for you. (laughs) Good for you. You're doing it right. I know a lot of people that I'm friends with that are just straight up shutting off social media, shutting off their access to the internet. Uh, and even TV, so that they can live somewhat normally nowadays. So I get that, I feel that, I'm with you. This week, we're going to give you a little bit of escape from all that, as we try to do, uh, especially with this election coming up. I guarantee there will be more nonsense to come. But uh, there's just a few things. I had a few things I wanted to touch on, some updates from the last episode. Pretty much all the launches that we talked about last week uh, got scrubbed. So if you want to look for those launches, and you, you, you want to watch some really cool stuff coming up, there's a lot to happen. I mean, the Delta IV Heavy, that didn't launch. They had weather issues. They had some downrange stuff. There was even a part that needed a replacement, so they're underway doing that. Tori Bruno is keeping everyone up to date on that online, so that's pretty cool. Starlink 12 still has to launch. That got scrubbed the other day. The weather was a no-go to start the launch anyway, so that's what happens. And this Antares, the Northrop Grumman Antares launch, that's going to be launching pretty soon. That spacecraft is going to be launching one of the most fascinating and important fundamental foundational pieces of technology you need to have in space, the next era of space toilets. You heard me right. The the, the final frontier of excrement removal. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I'm fascinated by the space toilet. First of all, the space toilet that, that has been on the International Space Station and the developments over the years. I mean, I literally was one of the few people weirdly staring at the space toilet. When I took a visit down to, to uh, the Houston Space Center, that, that was amazing. That was so much fun, and I actually got to see that there. Uh, I mean, look, you can't have human presence in space without some way to get rid of the waste. We've done an amazing job at the International Space Station about refiltering, you know, water is a precious resource, right? More than anything else, right? Well, I mean, air, obviously, but anything in space, you're bringing it with you. You only have what you have. So you have to reclaim water, which means getting, getting your pee, running it through a filtration system, and getting some of the clean water out of that. They're doing that. And, you know, as we look towards the future of where we go uh, with Artemis to the moon and, and in long duration space flights, we need a long duration, uh, a new toilet, a new space toilet, a new crapper to, <laughs> to be able to, ha- to, to deal with that. Because if we don't have that, it gets real messy real fast. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't want to go too far into it because I don't know if you guys are eating or if you're driving or, 
know what you're doing. But yeah, I think it's amazing that we have this next era, this next gen space toilet going up into space. I'm super excited about that. Uh, I might be weird, but hey, that's that's just me. That that's going to be launching on the Antares launch. I I I expect to do a full deep dive on space toilets at some point. <laughs> Look forward to that in the future. Uh, the other thing that happened this week was the Crew-1 sending humans into space on the Crew Dragon. This is the first operational mission. Demo-2, that was sending astronauts Bob and Doug into space to test that this spacecraft, in all of its theory and all of its, you know, tests that it's done, can it actually bring human beings back from launching into space, docking to the International Space Station, and then coming back to Earth. It did that. And the cool thing about that test was it prepped this crew on this first operational mission where we're sending four astronauts into space. Their names are astronauts Mike Hopkins, Victor Glover, and Shannon Walker. Victor Glover is going to be our pilot. And uh, the Japanese astronaut Soichi Noguchi from the Japanese Aerospace Exploration, JAXA, their, their, their version of, of the U.S.'s NASA. They'll be going to space. Uh, Soichi Noguchi has, has flown on, I, I think it was three or four different spacecraft. So he has a, a, a history of different spacecrafts going into space and, and, and obviously going to the International Space Station. And it's it's very exciting. One of the cool things that we learned, and that's why we do demo missions, right? And of course, when I say we, uh, it's a very general we of humanity. We, I'm not involved. <laughs> I'm just a fan. And I happen to go to school for this stuff. But the Demo 2 launch helped us test the heat shield. Elon Musk was talking about it. That was his, that was the thing he was worried about. The heat shield was a little bit more charred and worn down than they were expecting on this one flight. Now, that being said, the heat shield was set to such a safety level that it was still okay. The astronauts were still safe the entire time. But, you know, there's a few things they're saying, you know, it could have been that maybe bits of debris damaged the heat shield and then it came back down. But they didn't really see anything. But this was good because then they were able to switch it up for the demo for the next mission, for Crew-1, right? So those changes were made to the heat shield. This brought them back to the point where they can go to Crew-1. And the new date for that launch is Halloween morning. So October 31st, at 2.34 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I, I don't know if I'll be up at that time, but if you guys are looking to, to have some kind of a, a launch hangout for that, uh, we can definitely try and make something happen. Uh, worst case, we'll actually, we'll try and do something docking. Maybe it'll be, you know, sometime that weekend or, or maybe early the week after. The other thing, obviously, that we're looking forward to next, we discussed it a little bit last week, but the, the kind of the starship evolution, right? What's, what's to come? And if, if you're, you've seen on, on uh, my desk here, we have a new prototype. So obviously we have the old Starship prototype, kind of the design prototype from back in the day. And we'll use this in just a second to discuss re-entry. But we have, I haven't glued this together yet, but we did 3D print, I believe this is SN5, but it looks very similar to also SN6. This is essentially what will become SN8. So you can see these little hinges here at the bottom. The the corn silo will get those bottom flaps. It'll also get uh, the nose cone and those top flaps as well. And one of the really crazy things about this, what used to be the 20 kilometer hop, it ended up becoming 18, and then it was finally verified at 15 kilometers that they're going up. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be launching Starship up 15 kilometers, cutting the engines, and then having Starship go belly first to come back in, hit the atmosphere, slow itself down. And then what's going to happen 
is it's gonna do this crazy move, belly flop back into the atmosphere to slow down, use those flaps, just kind of like they use the grid fins on the Falcon 9 to, to reorient itself, to get in the right position, to use the thrust properly, but also the, to, to, to have control, right? When it comes back in, and it's right before the burn, it's gonna do this, and I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm holding in the center of Starship, and if there's anyone that knows the physics behind this, or if this was the, the idea behind it, please let me know. But what it seems is that it's, it's letting this center of gravity, the bottom is gonna come back to the middle as the engine fires, and then it's gonna over-exaggerate and kind of even itself out as it comes back down. So belly first, flip basically 180 because it's got to point the, the thrust vector in the opposite direction. It's, it's got to counteract all that momentum it had going this way, pull the engine all the way across to even itself out, and then land properly. Now, if you're somewhat terrified of that maneuver, <laughs> I, I, I totally get it. It's brand new, right? It's, it, this is developmental. So one of the cool things I was just reading up on uh, from NASA Spaceflight, again, a great place to get caught up in all things Starship Evolution. They were talking about how there's going to be this series of prototypes, you know, SN8 being the first one, SN9, uh, and, and a few others after that are going to progressively test this, and Elon has discussed this. This is going to be something that could be multifaceted. Starship could be used not only to send us to the moon and to Mars, but also to potentially make this travel around Earth, you know, go from Boston to Beijing in... 20 minutes. Launch Starship up, hit the atmosphere, go into orbit, hit the atmosphere again at a high, high speeds, have those heat tiles take, take the pressure of the atmosphere, and then you land, what, 20 minutes later on the other side of the world? I mean, that's that, that changes, obviously, how we travel around the world. I would definitely not be able to afford that, and I think most people are in that boat. But hey, if the people with the money want to pay for that, great, because that means that there is more revenue than going into things that, that SpaceX could do to help make life interplanetary. So another way to make money using another science for another purpose and, and finding ways to get funding. Now, the final thing I want to talk about this week is where does this go in the future, right? That's short term. But assuming everything goes well and they, they work out the kinks and this is a safe mode of travel, one of the cool things that Starship is going to allow us to do is, is not only sending humans to the moon and allowing us to develop a colony up there and, and a, a continued human presence. One of the great things about the moon is that we can develop the technology that goes behind, you know, uh, setting up a colony, living long term in space. The moon is great because you, if there's anything that goes wrong, you can come back. That's the, the, the downside of going to Mars. Mars is a nine-month trip as we know it today. Now, we, we could figure out some funky ways to maybe do a gravity assist on one of the inner planets and getting there faster, doing some, some really, really fascinating orbital mechanics. But, but all, all that being said, it, it's, it's months of, of a trip there and months of a trip back. So you have to really, really be prepared to go to Mars. So before Starship, there really wasn't a piece of technology that was going to allow us to go to Mars, stay there, never mind, come back. Really, it was, if you go to Mars, you're there to stay. What Starship does is if we, if we figure out the ability 
to go to Mars and generate fuel on the surface, you know, on the poles where we would find water and, and hydrogen and, and all those things that we would need to make the fuel, then we're going to be able to go the next level with this, right? So we, we discussed last week Robert Zubrin's idea of the Starship not only just being the vehicle that brings us back and forth, but it, it, it can also be the actual place that humans live. And, and, and the cool thing about that is this then gives us the ability to make trips to Mars a progressive thing. And so what you would want to do is build the long-term structure over a bunch of different trips with Starship to Mars so that that way, after a few years, decades even, you'll have this big technology uh, built that that allows you to to survive the radiation and and grow things you know having a greenhouse being able to have the sustainability that you need to live on on mars starship gives you that backup option your home base to be like okay while we build this other thing (laughs) let's live on this thing and then you can always potentially go back to earth right one of the interesting things and i have the link up on this week's episode is this idea of cutting that time by using the Martian lava tubes as a place to start building and living, really. Mars is not an easy place to live. That, that's that's the, 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 the short version of it, right? One of the main things is radiation. And this has come up before in, in my research of, you know, how do, we, how do we live on Mars and stuff like that. If you're able to send robotic rovers that have 3D printers on them that can take the soil, build things out of that soil, you, and, and structures... You have something that is that is natural, in, in quotation marks, right? It does protect from the radiation. So one of the great things about the lava tubes on Mars is the structure is already built. Send the starships over there. Send those crews in there to start building those lava tubes. Obviously, there's probably going to be some expeditions missions, right? So we could have some missions of rovers going to check out these lava tubes to see how structurally sound they are. Maybe we use LIDAR. Maybe we use different things to see how dense things are, how stable they are over time. And then you start sending humans on Starship. You start sending these crews that start plotting out the land and figuring out, okay, where's the good? where are the good places? Where are the bad places? Doing the, the real fine detail work and kind of the the insight to analysis that you can only do at the speeds of humans by sending humans there, right? Because rovers are, are limited to whatever technology you can actually send on them. But if we send humans there, we can do so much more. If we look 20 years in the future, we could have already sent starships to the moon, right? We could have a regular launch system that's set up. We could have potentially the start of an actual colony being built on the moon, testing, you know, are these metals and these ceramics that we're using for the structure are these holding up over time or or is the radiation from the lack of atmosphere on the moon is that is that degrading the materials are we able to actually make sure that there there are extremely low doses of radiation hitting our human beings that are living up there you know the, the great thing about earth is we have the atmosphere it reduces the amount of radiation that we are are taking in on a daily basis on mars barely any atmosphere at all so you've got all of this radiation and, and we need to get really smart about how we do that. And so if we're going to do the moon and Mars at the same time, a technology like Starship allows us to do that. It allows us to go all in on both, right? I think over the last 10 years of, of the space program and, and even longer than that, it's always been a either or. 
either the moon or Mars, either the ISS or the moon. And now we're getting real close to the point where it's possible that we could do both. One of the great things we're doing right now is we're doing both. We're all in on space right now. We're all in on space launch system that can send human beings with Orion all around the solar system. With Starship, with Super Heavy, this allows us to expand even even further. Starship could potentially send 100 people. Now that number may drop, but still, it's orders of magnitude larger than any of the spacecraft that's uh, available today. I would like to know what you guys think. Do you, do you guys think that's a reasonable thing to do? Do you guys think we should go all in? Space funding is so hard to come by. I feel like if we're going to have a future that's going to be sustainable, we do have to go all in on all these. Now, I think over time, who knows, maybe a project cuts out here or there, but I'm very hopeful in that regard. I'm very hopeful for what space can do for us. Everything else is happening on Earth, I'm a little less hopeful, but in space, I, I, I have hope, and I, I, um, I'm wondering if, has this expanded your thoughts? Do you think it's possible? I would love to know from you. Obviously, let us know on uh, Today in Space Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and todayinspace.net is our website, todayinspacepodcast at gmail.com is our email Please feel free to reach out to us. Check us out on TikTok as well, Today in Space. And this is the All Things Space podcast. We we hope we hope you stay well. Stay as sane as you can. If you need to cut off the internet, do it. Do what you got to do. If you need to talk to a friend, talk to a friend. Uh, we're always here for you. We love you. We hope, we hope that uh, you make it through another week, and we'll see you next week. Hopefully, we'll have an update on SN8. And we've got some interviews coming up with some uh, some pretty cool people, some people I'd love for you to hear from and we'll learn about their passions and and how science has shaped their life in some way or another let me know if you have anyone you'd like us to talk to we're obviously taking requests i'm just trying to find my own balance and uh and get get through the day without losing my mind so <laughs> it's been a rough week but uh things like this things like doing this podcast and and hanging out with you guys is uh is what keeps me it gives me energy to fight another day. So be well, spread love and spread science. We'll see you next time.